Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 21st episode of the Overline Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis Martin, and on this week's episode, we'll be talking about everything MLB, talking some Blue Jays, MLB free agency, and the Rogers Center Reno, and the upcoming 2020, sorry, 2021 season. I'm pleased to be joined this week by my co-host, Nate Kennedy, as always, and our special guest, Tyler pa- Pirate. Prosek. Prosek. Prosek? Yeah. Tyler Prosek. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. This is the second week in a row I've messed up a guest's name. How's it going, Tyler? Pretty good. Yourself? Not too bad. How's it going, Nate? Not too bad, pal. Excited to talk some Blue Jays. And uh, on that note, we'll get started. And I think where we can start off first is the first move of the offseason for the Blue Jays and signing Robbie Ray. And I kind of want to look to uh, you, Tyler. Obviously, you know, some other big name pitchers have gone off the market like Charlie Morton. Um what do you think of the signing, and then how do you think of it in relation to things that have come past? Um, it for a slow start to free agency, obviously because of uh, COVID and everything going on. Um, players are, you know, unsure where they want to sign because they're unsure of like how much of their salary they're actually going to be making. But I think signing Ray early um, is establishing a want and a willingness to pay, and uh, giving him eight million is, I think, is fair. For a former former All Star in 2017, like he produced a 2.89 ERA back then, and uh, the season before this shortened one, he had 235 strikeouts, and that's exactly what the Jays need. They uh, they lack strikeout capability, and that's also what Nate Pearson brings. Like in uh, in the playoffs with the Rays, that he struck out the side in his first appearance uh, in the postseason after being injured all year. So I think I think it's a good way to establish their their willingness to pay and uh, and Ray is no slouch, although he struggled uh, last year, starting with the Diamondbacks. Um, I think it could end up being a big payout. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people look at his regular season stats, which weren't uh, stellar this past season, but then I guess the way I look at it is you have to look at the kind of the circumstances, you know, it was, it was a weird season, but then I also look to that, uh, as you mentioned, like that, in the, in the playoffs and that start that he had with uh, Shoemaker in game one of the series against the Rays, him and Shoemaker did a really good job holding off the eventual um, AL winners. So I think, you know, it, it's a great signing, obviously, because, well, there's no risk to it. It's one year, $8 million. I mean, you know, what they need is guys that can go every five days, which they haven't had probably since their playoff runs before this last year. So, you know, yeah. having... Ray, and then obviously, hopefully, Nate Pearson will have more health for this upcoming season. And then, obviously, looking at Hunjin Ryu at uh, the front of that rotation, and then maybe some more additions, most likely some more additions uh, this off season will uh, really help that that rotation out. So there's no lose to this scenario. And the only thing that can happen that would make it better is you know Pete Walker, who you know is kind of a pitching guru and. MLB circles can maybe help him with his walk issue because he's been walking a lot of batters and striking mm-hmm. out a lot of batters. But yeah, I think that's just that's just the way I look at the signing. It's a, it's kind of a safe signing. It's a, I think he could be a good four or five guy. I'm kind mm-hmm. of still holding out. I kind of want them to sign Taiwan Walker back because I really liked him as a J. But mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a good signing. Yeah, I think um, I think the biggest thing with the signing, uh, Tyler, you definitely touched on it was especially with the uncertainty of where money's going in most uh, in most circumstances with teams. I think it's a really good deal. 
I think eight mil is a pretty good, um, a pretty good ticket for him. Um, I mean, he really hasn't shown many signs of declining. He did have a tough start to the season last year, as you mentioned. Um, but I do like bringing in another lefty. I think that's something the Jays have lacked for a while is consistent lefties. So I think him and Ryu as a lefty combo will be nice. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Robbie Ray is only 29. And him being only under contract for one year, I think is kind of like a show me deal, which we're starting to see in a lot of different leagues, especially this year with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, I think I don't think he has a lot to prove. I think I think with him possibly being placed at the bottom of the rotation, I think, as you said, he's going to be he's going to be more of a like a strikeout heavy pitcher. I think it's going to be very reliant on his talent to win games necessarily, especially at the bottom of the rotation for certain games. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, I don't mind the signing. I think we do need some more work. I would like to see us sign another pitcher. Um, I think we could definitely round out our rotation. I really like Ryu, and I really like Pearson. Um, but I think we do still have a lot of work to do in the offseason. Who our next move is, I'm really uncertain, to be honest. But I like the, I definitely like the signing of Robbie Ray. It definitely addressed the need. Yeah, Nate, good segue is looking at, like you said, that you think that the Blue Jays need starting pitching as their biggest need. But Tyler, in your opinion, what do you think the Blue Jays really need to get this offseason in free agency or via trade. Um, looking at looking at who's out there, uh, considering most free agents are still available, um, it's a slow market. So I think they should uh, definitely look at Taiwan Walker, bring him back, like you said. Um, he, he killed it with the Jays in the short time he was with them. Uh, and he's expressed interest over Twitter coming back. Um, I also like uh, the Canadian James Paxton. Um, you know, he, he's been injured uh, for the past little bit, the past, I think, year and a half, maybe two years. Um, but bringing a Canadian home and, um, you know, maybe signing him to, to a sort of like a one-year deal, um, he might be interested in that to uh, prove that he still has the electric stuff that he no-hit the Jays with uh, two or three seasons ago. Um, another one, another pitcher I like is Chris Archer. Um, you know, he was amazing between the years 2013 and 2017. He had like a 360 ERA with the Rays and, and they were bad. That was when they were bad. And, you know, he, he got let go by the pirates, uh, this past year. And, uh, I think, you know, that's another guy that wants to get back in the league and, uh, prove that he still has, still has the stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Nate. Um, I was just gonna say, I was just, um, I was just looking at the uh, some of the available free agents. I, uh, I don't think we have the money for him right now, but I think a move for another elite pitcher would definitely bolster our rotation. I, uh, I don't think that's really the like. I don't think it's an immediate need, but I think it's definitely something that should be looked at because I think the Jays, aside from you could say mid twenty tens, haven't really had the most solid rotation. And mm-hmm. I think Ryu, Ryu, Ryu showed a lot last year that he can he can win big games and he can perform kind of week in and week out. So we kind of just need a more rounded out roster to win the remainder of the games when he's not on the mound. And one guy I'm looking at, it's depending on really what he's asking, is Trevor Bauer. Um, I mean, Bauer came off of an, a, a very elite season last year. And he's one of the only guys, I guess, remaining in free agents who is coming off a season like that. Um I think he's I think he's kind of looking for the same deal as Robbie Ray got. I think he's only looking for a one-year deal. I think he's kind of just looking for a bridge gap um, between like this little COVID period and his next contract. So I feel like he would be a guy who would be willing to take a pay cut. Whether or not he's willing to come to the Jays is the other question. But 
I think he's definitely a guy that we could bring in and make an immediate impact. Yeah, I think pitching is definitely the number one need, but I don't think that starting pitching is the number one need for this team. I think when you look at, you know, I I think, you know, a lot of people are sleeping on some of the guys that were in the Jays' bullpen last year that will most likely be uh, built back up as starters. Ryan, Guys like Ryan Brucky, um, Julian uh, Merriweather has shown stuff in AAA and in the majors last year. You know, they still have Tanner Roark. So it's kind of will be interesting to see uh, what they do with the bottom. And sure, maybe they could add another great arm, but the only additions I'd want to see them do is like maybe add like a Taiwan Walker for a, a cheap amount of money, maybe one year or two year deal. But what I really think they need to do is look at the bullpen. Cause like I just said, a lot of those guys like Thomas Hatch, Ryan Barucki, um, they'll be leaving. And so while they do still have guys like AJ Cole and Rafael Dolis, um still in the bullpen and obviously Jordan Romano, I think they could use a little work in the bullpen. So I maybe look towards a guy like that, maybe getting a broad hand who's out there in a free agency right now, just getting another solid, strong guy, especially with the amount that the Blue Jays used their bullpen last year. I think it's definitely worth investing in it. And obviously that's where baseball is going. You know, not a lot of starters are getting past the sixth, seventh inning. So you want to have that reliable depth, deep bullpen if you're going to win games. So, I don't know. I just look at the free agent market and I see that, you know, maybe it's not the sexiest thing to do, but I think they should look at definitely some relievers <laughs> to bolster that bullpen. Um, what, one thing you have to keep in mind um, is, like you said, uh, Curtis, pitchers don't really go past the seventh inning anymore. Like the only guys that will do that, like last year, would have been Bauer, Verlander if he didn't get hurt, um, Scherzer, Kershaw. Those are the only, only really the guys they're going to trust going past the seventh because it's just – it's it's kind of dumb to let a pitcher keep going and risk him, you know, getting injured, getting tired when you have an amazing bullpen to shut the door. And um, and touching on Trevor Bauer, personally, I don't think he's going to come to Toronto. Um, yeah, you know, he's 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 kind of he's a troll on on Twitter, and uh, all all he's doing is is telling every team that you know, oh, should I come to you? Oh, should I come to you? Um, and he recently just signed the only deal with uh, Lids, the hat company, and mm-hmm. he, he posted a picture with all the MLB hats behind him and on his arm <laughs> and said, which one should I pick? So personally, um, I think Trevor Bauer is going to go to the LA Angels. Um, mm-hmm. my, my, my biggest reason and point here is save Mike Trout. Um, they, need, they need to show Mike Trout that they're trying. Um, Trevor Bauer... Um, he, he, he wants to make the Astros angry as well, you know, over social media. He hates the Astros because of the cheating scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my thing is he, he was good uh, in, in 2018 and last year in his 73 innings getting his Cy Young. Um, but I don't think the Jays should uh, risk, risk uh, giving him such big money. Um, but I think the Angels 100% should <clears throat> because, you know, Mike Trout, he, he's – he's not going to deal with their crap much longer. I mean, the thing is like you just touched on, I mean, Mike, Mike Trout's kind of been putting up with that for a long time. I mean, I don't want to say he hasn't really had talent around him, but I mean, aside from at least, at least on the defensive and like batting end, I mean, aside from Andrelton Simmons, I mean, who else has he had really? And I think, I think now is definitely the time, as you said, to bolster up to try to keep him in LA. Um, I, I'm not too sure how long he's under contract for. I don't know if you could tell me, um, I think it's another 
10 years or so. He's just signed that massive $480 million deal. Um, yeah. I think it's for another 10, 11 years. Jeez. Um, so, yeah, I guess, I guess at this point, Trout really has nothing but time. And yeah. I feel like it's kind of up to the front office to, as you said, kind of show that they still have faith in putting a team around them. Um, but I think that definitely starts at the pitching end for sure. I mean, you have to be able to put someone on the mound. He's going to at least give you a chance to win games and at least give Trout a chance to be productive and put up runs. Um, so I think Bauer would be a great signing for that. I also wouldn't be surprised if they tried to go go after maybe a few like middle tier relievers out of the guys who are still remaining. Mm-hmm. Like I think of, I think of a guy like Liam Hendricks who, who could really go in and do big things for them. I mean, he's a consistent righty like a lot of other guys, but he's been a part of a few really good uh, bullpens in the past few years, and I think he could bring a lot to that team. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's up to the Angels now to really like instill in Trout that they still have faith in putting a team around him. And, I mean, they really haven't been showing that for the last few years, so I'm really hoping for Trout's sake that they end up kind of pulling, the, hiking up their skirt and making some moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, just to answer your question about the uh, Mike Trout contract, uh, Tyler, you're right. It was a 10-year deal. It was a 10-year deal worth $240 million guaranteed. So this ne- so this year, he already, this last year was the first year of that deal, so he still has nine more years left in LA. Yeah. But that's, a, I, that's a lot of cojones. <laughs> that's a lot of cojones. That's, yeah, it's a lot of money. I. I think, um, but you bring up a good point. I was actually just about to bring him up too. I think Liam Hendricks is an interesting guy. You know, he won reliever uh, of the year. Um, was it reliever of the year? Yeah, for uh, the AL. And, uh, you know, he's a former J. He played, I think it was three seasons with the Jays. I could be wrong there. And, you know, he's proven himself to be a top flight reliever. And, he's, you know, he's battled in the AL for the last couple of years, which is hard to do as a top flight reliever you know I think a lot of the relief pictures that we really idolize in the game are NL guys because you know maybe maybe it's not a fair thing to say but I think the NL's very pitcher friendly uh, league so yeah, yeah I think I when you think I think when you think about that I think you know Liam Hendrick has proven himself and plus obviously you know he spent that time in Toronto already so he's kind of familiar with the atmosphere and yeah I just well Toronto was the last team before Oakland that he played for Jays traded him to Oakland and on the at the deadline or yeah at the deadline in 2016. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's it'll be very interesting to see what happens this off season. And yeah, maybe a guy like Liam Hendricks or again, like I said, Brad Hand would be a really good addition to that bullpen. Uh, one thing, um, if you don't mind me uh, transitioning here, is um, you know there is these big free agent like Brad Hand and Liam Hendricks and. You know, James Paxton, uh, Taiwan Walker, all these guys are great in free agency. But one thing that the Jays at least shouldn't shy away from is the trade market. And because mm-hmm. they have they have the seventh ranked um, uh, minor league system in the MLB um, from MLB Network, I think. And one thing I thought was interesting is this morning, uh, John Heyman tweeted that Lance Lynn is available for trade again. And at the deadline, if you remember, uh, the Jays were really in. They were one of the top teams on Lance Lynn. And he's only got he's got he's got a one year eight million dollar deal. Like that's a really affordable contract for one of the best pitchers in the AL last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing is, you know, Texas and Toronto don't have the best relationship, so um, you know we'll see how that goes. But uh, a few other guys, I think, you know, the Jays should look at in in trading for this offseason. Um, we have the assets, so although it's unlikely, Blake Snell was also said to be available for trade. 
Um, the only thing is he's an AL East rival. So, you know, it's unlikely he gets dealt to the Jays, but it's an option. And one thing the Jays have uh, a lot of is catchers. And that's what uh, the Braves want. They want catchers. And, you know, we got Jansen, we got Kirk, we got uh, McGuire. Um, you know, our, our system's full of catchers. And then, you know, you transition to one of the Jays. I'd, I'd say their third biggest need would be a third baseman. And mm-hmm. uh, two, two, two players that were, you know, uh, rumored to be, to be in the trade market last year uh, were Chris Bryant and Nolan Arenado. And, you know, Chris Bryant, uh, after a rough year last year, I think he had a 206 average. Um, he only makes 18.6 million for a former MVP. Like that's bringing, bringing in a guy to tell, you know, the market that you're serious, you want to win. And that's mm-hmm. going to attract other big guys. And with Nolan Arenado, you know, it's this is the most unlikely, but it's the one that would, you know, knock my socks off the freaking roof. Oh, and yeah. if if they can pull this off, which they're one of the only teams that can pull this off uh, with the assets that we have, you know, that's that's looking at competing with some of the top teams in the AL. If you bring in a, a platinum Glover like that, uh, you know, hits 40 homers consistently over the past couple of years. Um, bringing in someone like that is really telling the league, like, watch out. We're, we're serious. Yeah. Um, to your point, I, I definitely agree that our need is a third baseman. Um, I mean, the uh, the opportunity to bring in a guy like Nolan Arenado or even Chris Bryant would be huge. As you said, Arenado's probably, in my opinion, the best defensive third baseman I've seen ever, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. he, that guy is the epitome of consistency. Um, but another thing I'm wondering is a lot of viewership got kind of pushed towards the KBO this year with the weird kind of U.S. scheduling of the MLB this year mm-hmm. and i i have a little i have a little hypothetical situation i'd like to bring to you guys so how would you feel uh bobachet did take a few games at third base last year and a lot of talk's been thrown around about i think his name is hasyung kim from uh kawum in the kbo uh mm-hmm. he's only 25 he's a very promising shortstop uh very athletic uh has good pop off the bat um what likelihood would you see of the Jays possibly bringing in an international prospect and moving Bo to third? Uh, me personally, I'm sorry, Dad, I'm going to take this. I don't think you move Bo from shortstop at all because I think, you know, he's played basically his whole minor league career at shortstop. And um, I just, if anything, I would, I would move uh, Vlad. I want Vlad to move back to third, to be honest, this season mm-hmm. so that there's not such a, a jumble up at first base and so that Rowdy Telez, who I think proved himself a lot this season, can get that first base job and be in the lineup every day because um, I don't have the numbers up right now so you guys might have to give me a second but I'm pretty sure he hit over 15 home runs this season which in a 60 game season is unbelievable mm-hmm. so I mean just me personally I don't see him moving and I think also before we uh, completely move on I think Tyler you brought up a good point about third base but then I also think um I wonder how far away Austin Martin is because you know we look at all he played at almost every position on the diamond besides catcher at Vanderbilt and while you know he's not a Nolan Arenado right now or he's not um sorry who was the other person you brought Chris Bryant Chris Chris Bryant because these are known commodities I think you know maybe they only need like a patch job till Austin Martin's ready for the big leagues because I don't know me personally I'm really I was really high on him going into this year's draft 
and I think he was. I thought he was. I thought he should have gotten first or second overall in the draft, and the Jays got a steal in him at five. Yeah, and I'm just. I just think that it's kind of interesting having this guy waiting in the wings, and then but then you go and try trade for Chris Bryant. I think he also lines up better with like kind of the window that this core has. And uh, you, but yeah, go ahead. Um, just jumping on your point, uh, I completely agree. Uh, keep Bichette at shortstop. That's where he's meant to play. Um, you know, there is a, the Jays have never, um, shied away from international prospects. You know, that's where they got Vladdy. They found him, uh, batting behind their, uh, scouting facility in the Dominican Republic. And he was knocking homers as a 13 year old. Um, but the thing is, um, with, you made it a great point with Martin. Um, I think he should have been first overall and dropping to five, um, blew my mind. Um, so having a bridge guy to maybe introduce Martin to the majors at third base, because that's where ideally they'd like him to play, I think, um, is signing Justin Turner from the Dodgers, taking mm-hmm. a taking a two or three year deal uh, while uh, Austin Martin and Jordan Groshans make the transition to the majors uh, would be huge. And I think he's only looking for a two or three year deal. Um, you know, he could resign with the Dodgers. Um, he, he, he loved it there. But uh, and, you know, he had great success there. But yeah, um, Austin Martin, I think, is the last piece to the puzzle for the infield. Um, I also agree that uh, Vladdy could maybe move back to third. You know, he's lost 40 pounds this offseason. Uh, I think he's he's setting himself up for a huge year. If like mm-hmm. if there's if there's a 160 game season, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he knocks 30 homers um, with mm-hmm. what he's doing right now. Um, which would be good for his confidence considering he was, you know, one of the most hyped up prospects of all time. And then, uh, you know, he's hitting like 270 around that area with, you know, 20 homers, which which is good, but it's not, you know, all-star MVP kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like your point about signing a guy to Justin Turner, like two to three or for two to three years. Um, he'd be a guy that would immediately come in and be able to make an impact, not only on the field, but also uh, mentality wise as well. I mean, that Dodgers team, for the most part, especially that core, has been a team who not only knows how to win, but brings the mentality um, mm-hmm. along with that. And I think that would do wonders for especially um, how young the majority of the Jays team is. I feel like to have that kind of veteran piece who can also still provide on both sides of the ball, I think is huge. Um, and especially, yeah, as you said, to let uh, Austin Martin develop into uh, into his own and give him a little bit of time to develop, I think that would be a really good gel move for sure. Yeah, I think, sorry, I just want to quickly uh, interject again with the uh, stats for Ray Tula since I brought him up. Um, last season, he had, uh, he had 113 plate appearances, which in terms of baseball is not a lot. No. And he hit eight home runs and had 23 RBIs, and he hit 283 and had a 46 uh, on base percentage, which for a first baseman in the nowadays in the M- or sorry, a above 300 on base percentage is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I kind of want to see him take over at first base. And so I don't know what that leaves Vlad, because like, I think when you start to look at the Blue Jays, the main thing is that their infield is, to me, is looking pretty sad. I think, you know, you have Rowdy yeah. at, at at first, you have Kevin Biggio, arguably one of the uh, best defensive second basemen, in my opinion, in the majors over there. Mm-hmm. And you have Bo Bichette, one of the most athletic young shortstops in the game right now. And then also, so third base is your open spot and maybe he slides in there for now, but yeah, I think, you know, it was good. It was good experience for 
Vlad to get over at first base. But when they made the decision this season, I didn't agree with it. When they first made that announcement, I thought it was kind of a dumb decision to just give up on him right away, especially Mm -hmm. because of the circumstances. Like, I know he gained weight over the time between spring training and the summer camp that they had, but I still think it's, you know, you kind of have to give guys like that an opportunity, especially when I don't think before the uh, extended playoffs were announced, this team was expecting to make the playoffs this year. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. You guys can maybe add to that, but that's just my feeling about uh, the kind of the young core and the Jays. And then obviously, hopefully I'm thinking Austin Martin can take over third base starting day uh, 2021 or 2022, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I mean, as you, uh, as you had mentioned, our, our young infield is kind of set. I mean, I think we kind of have to let them, let them ride out their potential. I mean, all three of them, like uh, Biggio, Bichette, and Vlad have shown nothing, uh, no signs of slowing down in their development. And I think giving them the opportunity that, that they deserve is huge. Um, and I think, I think the only move that really needs to be made, if you're going to keep Vlad at first, would be the third base. But I think besides that, I think maybe, I'm just looking at our depth chart right now. I think maybe we should possibly be looking at some work in the outfield. Um, I don't mean maybe like defensively, I don't think we're an issue. Like I think our defensive outfield isn't bad, but I think we do really need to bring in some pop. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say Randall Grichuk's a throwover. Like he's not bad, like by any means, but if we could get the opportunity and I'm just looking at a few guys here, I think a guy that we could really go after that would do a lot for us is Jock Peterson. Um, I mean, he's only 28, career OBP of 349, has a really good slugging percentage, and he's a guy that comes in and he provides immediate power to wherever you put him in the lineup. And I mean, he's not a liability defensively either. He's very athletic for his size. Um, I would be interested to see how well he would fit in, but I could definitely see him being a guy that could provide a lot to our outfield, and especially some additional pop to go with our young core, I think would be huge going forward. Um, for, for me, uh, I, I think Jock Peterson would be a great addition. Actually, I, I, I didn't even have him on my list here, but I, I totally think that's actually a, a great, uh, that would be a great addition to the team. Uh, in regards to Vladdy, uh, just going back there, um, I think the, after he gained the weight and, uh, the team moved him to first, uh, he felt that the Jays lost confidence in him. And so that's why he's working so hard now is because he wants to prove that he can go back. And that's why I think he's going to have a breakout years because he's, he's, you know, sick of the people saying, Oh, is Vladdy the prospect we thought he was? And he's going to come and absolutely tear up the MLB this year. Um, in, in regards to adding um, a player to the outfield, um, you know, Lourdes Gurriel is great in left field. You know, he was uh, nominated for his gold glove um, and lost, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, at center, I, I kind of agree, disagree with Grichik. Um, you know, he shows he's inconsistent offensively. Um, he, he, he has good defense, but on a championship team, he's a fourth outfielder at best. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, T. Oscar Hernandez, who had his incredible year and broke mm-hmm. out for the Jays. Um, I think having him at right field is is good, but it's it's risky for his health as he got injured this year, you know. Um, yeah, I think he's better, you know, playing right field, like maybe three times a week and then DHing the rest and just keeping his powerful bat in the lineup. Um, some interesting news uh, off from Shai Davidi today, one of the Jays biggest analysts um, is the Jays have uh, reportedly 
um, progressed in just in introductions with uh, George Springer and Michael Brantley, two uh, two former Astros. Um, you know, bringing Springer would yeah. would would be incredible, and I think they have what it takes to get Springer. I think the Jays are the front runner to sign him. Uh, you know, Springer Springer's a three time All Star. You know, a two time Silver Slugger. He's overall a pretty healthy guy. He's played at least 120 games every year for the past five seasons, um, uh, not including this shortened season. Uh, he averaged, you know, 25 homers in that span with a 273 batting average. And uh, that's something the Jays like. They like someone who can hit homers. And, you know, Springer is uh, reliable defensively, which is something the Jays, you know, struggled with this year with uh, the infield that's, uh, coming into their own, like like we talked about. Um, so bringing in a guy like Springer, um, I think on a long term deal uh, would be smart on on the Jays' part. But the only the only team they have to worry about there would be the Chicago White Sox, who who are looking mm-hmm. looking to come back and make a high impact in in the Central. Yeah, I also think it's uh, yeah the Blue Jays have been put into a lot of uh, I. He, the rumor mill is surrounding the Toronto Blue Jays this offseason. I think they've been linked to almost every free agent. And I know we've brought up a lot of these free agents over the last uh, little while of talking on this podcast. But I just want to ask you guys, who do you think is most likely to be signed with the Jays that has been connected <laughs> to the Blue Jays over the last uh, couple weeks slash months? Um. I mean, it, I don't want to say it's tough to say for certain because, I mean, the rumor mill is a rumor mill for a reason, especially in the MLB. Um, I think the MLB kind of holds its own or holds its own standard in terms of the rumor mill because a lot of the times, regardless of what teams are rumored, oftentimes players will end up just going to whatever destination ends up fitting, even if they're not necessarily part of the rumor mill. Um, but as um, as you touched on, Tyler, I could really – I think the the move of George Springer, I think, is becoming more likely as time progresses. I mean, I think like that's a need that he could immediately come in and fill. And as you said, he's he provides immediate consistency both both in batting and in the field, which I think would be huge. He would uh, he would provide the opportunity, as you said, if you if you were to shift him around uh, to give Teoscar Hernandez the uh, fielding break that you're uh, that you're implying that he would want. I mm-hmm. think he would be a big addition, even moving Grichuk to right field and keeping uh, Springer in his home and center while doing so. I think would be a good move. Um, but I think that would definitely be the most likely move that I see right now, because I think aside from, aside from our current third base, uh, inhabitants in the infield, I think, uh, I think center field is definitely where it should be addressed. And I think Springer would do a lot, uh, for us going forward. Honestly, personally, I can answer the question too. I think that, you know, this team, even though it was under different management has shown that they're willing to spend money at the catcher position. And a guy that's been uh, hovering around the Blue Jays all off season and have been brought up by guys like uh, Shai Davidi and um, well, uh, Arden Welling, from both uh, Blue Jays insiders have said that you know, I think JT Remoto is a real possibility for the Blue Jays. You know, he's a younger guy and he kind of fits in with this young core that I think is almost ready to win now, and. I think that, you know, the one position that's kind of been holding them back is uh, is catcher. I mean, I don't want to uh, knock K- uh, uh, Jansen Danny too Jansen. much because Danny Jansen, because uh, obviously, you know, he, he hasn't been bad. I think Alexandro Kirk kind of took his job a little bit towards the end of the season just because of, you know, the, how much 
uh, he was hitting and, you know, the offensive productivity that Kirk was showing for the Jays. So maybe that would be a reason why you might want to hold off. But I also don't think Kirk's ready to take a full-on, like, leading man role with an MLB organization quite yet. So I think, you know, and if you have a guy like JT Riamuto, who's arguably, I think, in my opinion, as a former catcher, the best catcher since uh, Buster Posey in his heyday when the Giants were winning all those World Series, I think you... I think you have to take a jump on him because these guys don't come up that often. And when you have a core like this, I think if you get a guy like that, your whole infield is secure for the next like five, six, seven years, basically. I'm yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't mean to, I don't mean to hop all over your back right after you mentioned uh, Real Muto, but the only thing is he's already been offered uh, the just under $19 million qualifying offer from the Phillies. Um, and the only thing is, the only thing I'm kind of concerned about is if you, if you match that qualifying offer and he does end up signing, I don't think you have much wiggle room uh, besides that to kind of make other moves. And I do agree that catcher is a need, but I don't think it's as much a need as possibly bullpen depth or an outfield piece. Um, I mean, the opportunity, as you said, to bring in Real Muto, a guy who's shown a lot over his uh, early career, I think would be huge. Um, but I don't, I don't know if it's quite worth uh, $19 million, in my opinion. But that's just me. Um, I, I think that I think sorry Tyler. I think to, speaking to your point, um, Ross Atkins has said that they're looking to make a big splash in multiple interviews. Yeah, and I think a big splash would be Riamoto. And it's also been said by Rogers that it's not quoted how much money they're willing to spend this offseason, but they said a decent amount of our assets will be put towards looking at free agents this offseason. Is what uh, people from Rogers have been saying. So I think you know while. $19 million may be a lot for Riamuto. And it's, but I think it's an investment. Like when you look back to the uh, Russell Martin contract at the beginning, like obviously towards the end, it wasn't a great contract because, mm. you know, he declined. But also, I think Riamuto is a lot younger than Russell was when he signed that deal. And they were, we, we were paying Russell $15 million at the beginning a year in that deal. So I think, yeah. you know, it just shows you how much catching mattered and a big reason why we made the playoffs all those years was because of Russell Martin and at least in the beginning of the contract again because obviously everything fell off towards the end as every play happens to almost every player when they get older um mm-hmm. he he really just provided a steady calm defensive strength behind the plate which Riamoto shows too plus he at Riamoto adds the bat that Russell Martin could never really find as a Blue Jay mm-hmm. so I don't know. I just think it's a no-brainer that they should... I would sacrifice getting George Springer because while, you know, I think we've talked about, um, talked about, you know, George Springer is a great asset, would be a great ad, you know, gives Teoscar Hernandez a break. I think, you know, Riamuto is more of a long-term help to this team, obviously, again, because he's younger. And because besides uh, Kirk, I don't know if I have confidence in McGuire and Jansen to really pick up the slack offensively at that position. Um... Uh, both <laughs> so real mudo for me. Um, I think the Jays, the Jays talk and uh think so highly of uh, Danny Jansen. And to be honest, I think they should trade Reese McGuire for literally whatever we can get. Uh, I don't think he's he's gonna be um a, a big impact player moving forward, you know. Uh, I think a move would be good for him as well because it's not looking like he's gonna get an opportunity uh with the Jays. Um, with Alejandro Kirk, you know, killing it for that whatever month that he was in 
with the Jays. Um, I think Real Muto, bringing in Real Muto would, um, um, you know, Russell Martin was a big part of, of the Jays' success, like you said. Um, and bringing in Real Muto, one of the most talented catchers in the league, in my opinion, and one of the, you know, he's up there with one of the best offensive players in the league while putting up incredible defensive numbers. It would be a great addition. But, you know, like Nate was saying, too, like, I don't think um, they're going to invest that much money in a catcher when they think they have a good core at catcher. Like, we also have our number eight prospect, uh, Aurelvis Martinez, is is a catcher coming up as well. Like, I don't know if they're willing to give the money or a long-term deal to a guy like Real Muto when they have all these pieces that they think are going to complete the team. Um mm-hmm. Um, with, with, uh, there's a lot of options that are a little bit cheaper, like the guy, a guy like Michael Brantley, um, th- there's a couple infield op- options that the Jays have that are cheaper. Um, I just don't think Real Muto, um, although, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to him signing with the Jays. I just don't think Ross Atkins and, uh, Mark Shapiro are going to jump on that catcher this year. Um, and I think Oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Nate. Uh, I was just going to piggyback on that point. Um, so from what from what we've heard from the Jays and especially their front office over the last few weeks, it seems like they're very willing to move um, some of our high end, like minor league talent and uh, other lower end guys in our system in order to prepare for this year. Um, mm-hmm. I understand that we did just select Austin Martin and it was a great value pick. But could you possibly see uh, the Jays shipping him for a certified talented first baseman or third baseman right now and kind of stunning his development and sending him to another team because I think, I think that could be a very likely possibility, especially for trying to go into win now mode with our, uh, with our talented core. Um, personally, I think if they're going to move a top prospect, it's going to be Jordan Groshans or um, Alec Manoa. Maybe um, I don't think they're willing, willing to move Martin just because, you know, they literally just took him fifth overall and, you know, he was a projected top three pick. Like, you don't you don't really give that away unless, you know, say they get Nolan Arenado. Like, that's a different that's story. That's 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 a different story. That's an MVP candidate almost every year. You know, and I, I would totally deal with Martin for that, um, considering, you know, Nolan does have an opt-out clause. But I think if they bring him in, uh, I think he's going to like the young team that he sees and he would stick around. But that's the only way I would move Martin if I were the Jays. Yeah, that's that's kind of the mindset that I was thinking under as well. I think the only way that we get something in return that's worth shipping Martin would be a guy like that, a guy that's a caliber of a Chris Bryant or a Nolan Arenado or even even like along the same talent as JT Real Muto. But I think that's the only way that you could justify shipping, as you said, a great value selection who was supposed to go higher but ended up slipping. But I just thought that was an interesting possibility because it doesn't really happen that often in baseball, kind of the draft and trade. But I could definitely see the Jays, especially if they're attempting to go into win now mode, definitely do something like that. See, my whole thing. Sorry, I just I wanted to quickly add. To yeah, the, go ahead. Go ahead. Thought. I think my whole thing is that, uh, you know, while Nolan Arenado, again, I think I've said this earlier in the podcast, is arguably the best third baseman in baseball right now, yeah. and he would definitely help out this team. Like, there's no question about that. I just think, how long will he help out this team? I think when you look at a guy like Austin Martin, which Maybe I'm just crazy. I'm really high on him. I think he is going to be an all-star when he gets to the MLB. I just would rather have eight seasons of 
all-star Austin Martin with Vlad, with uh, Bobachet, and not have to give anything up and maybe trade like another because it's not just going to be Austin Martin if you're getting Nolan Aaron. No, you're going to need to give up more. Yeah. So I I'd rather put those pieces to maybe either acquiring some middle-aged pitching or maybe acquiring you know a younger like a younger uh, reliever kind of. Uh, along the lines of Ozuna, obviously not getting him back because yeah. you know, yeah, that was awkward good. situation, <laughs> very awkward situation. But you know, like I think, I think I'd rather spend my assets in the pitching slash um, outfield position because I I think we got the guy. Obviously, you know, this is this is me putting a lot onto a guy that hasn't taken a professional at bat mm-hmm. in his career yeah. yet, but. I think that's what we're supposed to do with a lot of these high guys is like, I think, I think Bo and Vlad and Biggio, even though maybe we could argue that Vlad hasn't lived up to the hype, have all been good MLB players and the Blue Jays specifically picked them all coming, well, two of them coming from the draft, one being an international signing. But I, I trust the Blue Jays scouting staff that, you know, they obviously they didn't pass on Austin Martin when a bunch of people did. That means that they must really like him. Yeah. Um. The only thing I will kind of say to touch on that point is I I don't want to say you're kind of overshooting the possibility of Austin Martin because I, from what I've seen, he definitely does have that potential that you're talking about to be a consistent All Star over his career. But the only thing I would kind of uh, rebuttal with that is you can't really look at a guy like Nolan Arenado. And you can't really scoff your head at it. Like that's a guy that immediately comes in and makes an impact and makes you a championship contender, whether you like it or not. And the thing is, I don't, I don't want to say Austin Martin. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. My, my question to you is though, say we get Nolan Arenado right now. Are, are, are we going to the world series? That's my question. Both of you can answer that. Um, if we get Nolan Arenado, I think that makes us in. I think that makes us an AL playoff lock at least, at the very least. I could definitely. Yeah, but I don't. I think if I think I'm giving up that high of a prospect, I my lock would have to be I win AL. No, but yeah, you have to understand. I understand that he's a high prospect, but the biggest thing is, especially with how sports are now, especially during COVID times, you look at it. It's I hate to be a broken record. I've said it over the past two or three podcasts, but the world of sports is easily transitioning to the "What have you done for me lately?" And although he hasn't been able to take an at bat yet, you kind of, I don't want to say it's unjustified to put all your eggs in one basket with Austin Martin, because I think he has that potential, but you just have to look at the bigger picture for a second and understand if you're able to get a guy like Nolan Arenado for, I want to say an affordable package of Austin Martin and maybe another prospect and a draft pick. I think that would probably be what ends up happening. Maybe cash considerations with that to even out our, um, our cap. But I think with the opportunity to do that, I think that would go a lot farther now than Austin Martin would in the future. Because honestly, we see a lot of guys who are drafted up high who just don't transition to the MLB. And I don't want to say like he's one of those guys because he was a top three lock on most people's boards going into the uh, draft. But the thing is, you can only you can only put so much confidence in your prospects. And I, I don't want to say that he's not going to pan out, but all I'm trying to say is you can't you can't stare an opportunity like Nolan Arenado, one of the best third basemen of this generation, and kind of just say, no, we're going to rock with Austin Martin, even though he's not in the league yet. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to bash Austin Martin at all. I'm just saying, if you're given the opportunity to get a guy like Nolan Arenado, especially for a fairly affordable package, who's willing to go to an upcoming contender like the Jays, I don't think you could really shake your head at that. Okay. Um, for, for 
like your question there, Curtis, like if, like, are we going to be in the world series with Arenado? Um, you make a good point there. Uh, no, but um, I don't think we would be um, because to get there, you need pitching and the Jays need to deal with that. They need to get that one or two more starters and, and, you know, they've it, historically, they've been really good at finding bullpen pieces out of thin air and, uh, and dealing them for, you know, prospects like uh, Santiago Espinal. It wasn't a pitcher, but we, we dealt Steve Pierce for him. And, you know, Steve Pierce is not an all-star, but um, he, he ended up working out for Boston and Espinal showed great. Well, he's a, he's a world series. MVP. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. He ended up working out for them <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, Espinal, ended up working out for us this year and was a great replacement for Bo Bichette when he was injured. Um, in regards to Austin Martin, um, you know, to get a player like Nolan Arenado, it's going to be the Rockies are going to ask for a similar Mookie Betts kind of deal. That's, that's what they would be looking at. And to do that, you would need Martin. You would need maybe uh, Woods Richardson or Manoa um, in that deal um, with, in regards to draft picks, you can't trade draft picks, but uh, you can trade, uh, you know, player to be named later. You can trade money. You can trade uh, signing uh, bonus money, I believe. Um, but, and there would be, there would be picks going uh, which way uh, each way because of uh, uh, money and how Arenado what's attached to him. I, I believe, um, but looking at it, I think, you know, trading Martin uh, and, and a package for Arenado would be worth it for three years. And then, and then you're looking at, you know, Arenado probably leaving. Martin, if pans out the way he's supposed to, um, like Vladdy and Bo and Biggio would be with the team, like you guys said, for, say, eight years. And taking the gamble is just something the Jays haven't been known to do. Um, the last time they did something that big was, you know, Troy Tulowitzki. And uh, it worked out for a year and a half, and then he fell apart. So I, I, I think they're – Maybe not even a year and a half. Maybe like a half a year. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't want to say history is going to repeat itself, but uh, Tyler, as you said, I think the biggest thing with this is the F factor. Um, I think especially with all the young prospects, I think you should give them time um, if they're get, if they're afforded the option to have time. And I think it's just up to the Jays front office as to whether or not they're going to give them the time in terms of a possible Arenado deal appearing. I mean, I I don't see I, I, as Nate, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Nate, not not to interrupt you, but see, I think this is my main thing about getting Arenado. Like, if, say we had Hunjin reading you and then like another like. AA1 pitcher and then the rotation we had now sure trade Martin for Arenado and we're probably a World Series team right now but the reality is is that our starting pitching core which I think arguably is more important than a strong third baseman at this point is like not there yet and I think you know I would trade Austin Martin depending on the pitcher for a top flight young pitcher I think you know that's something that this team obviously needs we have a lot of uh, young middle infield and third base prospects coming up right now. And I'm sure people can be moved around and I'm sure we can find someone in free agency at third base. But right now, as the, the team sits and right now is when the Colorado Avalanche are trying to trade Nolan Arenado. I just don't think it makes sense for the Blue Jays to make that 
move and then see and then honestly i'd be hurt if austin martin became an all-star in the uh, yeah i i think the biggest thing for me uh you touched on it a little bit uh at the beginning of what you're saying but i don't i don't think the move if you're gonna ship martin i don't think you ship him for a pitcher and the only reason i'd say that is because you have so many guys uh, like so many options in the market right now who can come in and do the job that you would be getting from whoever you get back for martin anyway and the thing is the difference is you're getting these guys for a very affordable price tag and the thing is, if you're going to give up the future of Austin Martin, I think you have to bring back a guy who's going to give you that same opportunity that Martin would have in four or five years to be that kind but of. But I think I think there's guys I think there's guys in the uh, free agent market that can do not a Nolan Arenado job, but like a above average uh, job, like uh, Colton Wong, a candidate that I could see playing third base for the Blue Jays, who a guy Shadavis talking about today is. The Blue Jays have had serious talks with. I could see him playing third base because he played third base for the uh, for the Cardinals before, and he's a guy that he's over his career has hit uh, two ninety, which is well above league average. Yeah, and I think that's what you need at third base is just above league average. And I think while Nolan Arenado might be the best third baseman in baseball, do you really need that right now? You, That's all I'm you may not like, I don't think you need the best third baseman in baseball, but to your point, you can bring in a guy who does the same job. And I keep going back to Justin Turner because he'd be an extremely good, affordable option. I mean, he's not the same defensive player he was, but he still possesses extreme talent on the batting end. I mean, you've seen him in the postseason. He still has potential for like defensive flashes at times. Um, and he is a big playoff performer and he brings in that kind of mentality. So I feel like if you're going to bring in a guy that isn't old, Nolan Arenado to fill that role, I feel like a guy like Justin Turner or you said a guy like Wong would be a great option. But I think the op- – I, I hate to go back to it again, but I think the opportunity to bring in or Arenado for a good package I think is a very appealing thing for the Jays. And as you mentioned, the last time they took that gamble was on Tulo. Yeah, it didn't work out great. But the – I don't want to say the the brains behind it were good, but I think their heart was in the right place. I mean, Tulo really didn't show any signs of declining prior to him coming to the Jays, and it was kind of just an unfortunate timing kind of thing. So, and the thing is the same with Nolan Arenado, like he's shown no signs of slowing down on either side of the, either side of the ball. So I feel like we kind of, I don't want to say we should jump at the opportunity to get him, but if the, if an affordable package comes around where we're not giving up too much of our future in order to get him. And the thing is, even when we bring him in, I think we're still going to have room to be able to fill out our bullpen and maybe our four and five in our rotation. If we were willing to move Robbie Ray up to three or even two and slide Pearson down, which I don't think is going to happen. But I think even with the addition of Arenado, I think we still have wiggle room to make other pieces fit. And I think just that would be the biggest, that would be the biggest ball to get this team rolling for sure. Um, For, um, you know, talking about Martin so much, like, yes, they could move him. I I really don't think they will. Um, They could um, because they they just signed him to a a massive rookie contract. Um, So I think they plan on keeping him around. One guy you could look at, for moving, uh, say in an Arenado deal or um, you know another deal, uh, say a Lindor deal, possibly is Jordan Groshans. He he's one of the best prospects in the Jays system, um, and the Jays, to be honest, don't really have room for him on the roster. He can play third, and he plays short normally, um, but like looking future wise, you don't really see room for him, and you could. You could do a LA Dodgers kind of strategy where you trade your, you know, your four to 10 range prospects, but you keep your best first, second, third best prospect to come up and make an impact. And then you trade for those guys that make a big impact as well. And uh, the thing is uh, mentioning Lindor, 
I do not think we're going to get him. I, I don't mm-hmm. really want us to get him, but um, you know, that's a possibility with Jordan Groshans. Um, uh, when, you know, when I look at Austin Martin at the end of the day, I don't see him moving. I want Arenado, but I don't think Ross Atkins is ready to ship his number one prospect right now. And um, speaking of number one prospects, I just wanted to say you guys mentioned Nate Pearson. Um, I think Nate Pearson is going to surpass Hyunjin Ryu as the Jays' number one starter within the next two years. Um, I think his 100-mile fastball is too much for even the league's best hitters to handle. Um, and he showed it against the race. You know, that team, yeah. uh, Rosarena and the race, they crushed it up until the World Series when they kind of, they, they put up a fight, but everyone knew the Dodgers were going to take it with Mookie Betts. Um, there, there were some questionable management decisions in that series, though, too. Yes, I, very, I, I don't very wanna, questionable. I, I don't want to blame the manager on that one, but there were a few pullings of hot pitchers that I did not seem well, to be justified. I, I, I think we could do a whole podcast on, you know, to take analytics and how much analytics matter, but uh, not to get off track. Yeah, I think you bring up a good segue about uh, Lindor. So continue, Tyler, on what you're going to say. Um, so, yeah, and just finishing off about Pearson there, I think he's too um, electric and powerful for for at least, you know, to shut down a team like the race. And speaking to Lindor, um, obviously I want Francisco Lindor. Who wouldn't? Um, but I think it's a way bigger risk than reward situation. Um, you know, why risk our seventh best farm system in the league when Bichette's becoming, you know, what he's supposed to be? And to 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 mentor Bichette as, you know, he had a couple of defensive hiccups over the last year, especially in the playoffs, that really cost the Jays. Um I think getting a guy like Andrelton Simmons to mentor Bichette mm. uh, would be really, really great. Getting him on a two, three-year deal, maybe no, no, one or two-year deal like Justin Turner, bringing in those two guys, say for a cheaper price than you know getting Arenado and getting Lindor, would be really beneficial to Bichette, and it would let Bichette become his own player, and you know looking at Bichette becoming an all-star and I think he's the potential to be an MVP. So um, something like that would be really good for, for the team. The thing was until you had mentioned in Drelton Simmons, I was literally staring at him in my screen for like five minutes, ready to talk about him. And the more, <laughs> the more I'm thinking about it, I could definitely see him transitioning into a third base defensive role. And the only reason I say that is because You look at his numbers. I mean, he has had a bit of an uh, offensive slag the last two years. I mean, he hasn't really had the same bat that he had uh, before that. But the thing is, he is a game-changing defensive player. And currently with him, with us having the uh, current gap at the hot corner, I think he would be able to slide in really well. And as you said, be a mentor to Bichette. If we did choose to bring in him and Turner, I don't think that's a terrible move. Where Simmons would fit in in our um, in our infield rotation kind of thing, I think would be um, up to question in terms of management. But I think yeah. if we were to spare the signing of Turner because he is getting old, and I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to maintain his offensive uh, abilities, but I think if we were able to bring in a guy like Simmons to at least kind of lock down our infield on the hot corner and be able to make plays, I feel like that would be really big for us going forward, and especially because he would be a great value signing that would leave our money open to move it elsewhere, like you said, center field or catcher, mm. or our bullpen, or our latter half of our starting rotation. So 
I feel like Simmons would definitely be a great gel piece at not only our infield, but also mentoring our younger, uh, our younger folk in the infield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this is a good point to move on past this and uh, move on to more of kind of not necessarily more fun, but more interesting uh, and more uh, unknown scenario. And that, you know, an article was released on the Globe and Mail this week about, you know, change their uh, situation, change their home ballpark, tear down what is now known as the Raj Center, formerly known as the Sky Dome for something new. So I guess where I want to start off is uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this and do you want this to happen or do you want to hold on to the uh, Rogers Center? Um, I think in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to renovate the Rogers Center, but I think in the new landscape of sports and how commercialized it's being, I think this is a big move for not only the Blue Jays, but Toronto sports in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this will be kind of the first big architectural shift we've seen since what the ACC reno. So, and I, yeah. and I, I think this is, this would be huge, as I said, for like a commercialization point of view, but not only that, I think it would provide kind of a hub for Toronto besides our, uh, besides the ACC, which is now, I guess, Scotiabank. Um, yeah. But I think this is a good move. I mean, the Rogers Center has been around for a long time and I think it is in need of some work. Um, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of the dome style, whether or not they're going to keep the dome and just expand how big it is, or if they're going to move to an outdoor park. But to be honest, I would love to see a fully outdoor park in Toronto. And I think that if they were to, I assume the expansion would mean more seating and more like viewership opportunities for whoever would be uh, coming in to spectate a game. But I do like the, I do like what they're doing. I like the idea of renovating it because they do have a lot of space in that little plot of land near the Rogers Center in order to expand. So Mm -hmm. I'd be interested to see how they do it, but I would definitely like to see them move away from the dome and move to a fully outdoor stadium. But that's just me. Um, for, for me, uh, I personally think they should tear that down as soon as possible. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it has a lot of great memories in it and, uh, it, it was a great stadium for a long time, but right now it's, it's known to be one of the worst stadiums in the MLB. Mm-hmm. Um, the outside of it is, is just not very appealing. It's, it's just gray cement and like, you got some banners with some blue Jay faces on it, but that's pretty much it. Um, the dome, the dome, the Rogers center is known, was known in the eighties and nineties for being the dome, the sky dome, and nobody mm-hmm. else has this. And it's so cool and unique for the Toronto skyline. The thing is almost every MLB stadium that is being built over the past couple of years has a dome because it's just makes sense. So they can keep playing while it's raining. Um, I think in the modern MLB, every stadium that that's new is going to be built with a dome to um, make sure games run on time. And, um, you know, you can do really cool things with the dome. Like the Astros have a great stadium where the the thing slides over top of the dome. Um, the thing with the Jays is on Tim and Sid, they were discussing this this article. And, um, you know, yeah, with Stephen uh, yeah, I think so. And uh, the thing is, after the pandemic, Ontario and the Canadian government are going to want to create jobs. And this project is going to create thousands of jobs. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Harbor front, I don't know if you guys know this, but they're building a whole new village on the Harbor front and, um, oh, building and building a new baseball stadium would not only complement the new Harbor front, um, addition to Toronto, but it would modernize Toronto as Toronto's, you know, transitioning through, 
the pandemic and getting towards, you know, the future of the city. And the thing is, if they built a new stadium, they could include the CN Tower somehow again, uh, having it right beside it. Um, you know, they could include statues for like uh, Roy Halladay, uh, Roberto Alomar, Joe, Joe Carter, Carter, Jose Bautista, you know, all of those guys that made such a big impact to to the Blue Jays. And uh, going about that, um, you know, the, the big question would be where are the Jays going to play while it's being built? And the thing is, the St. Louis Cardinals, while their stadium was being built, they played in their old home while it was happening. And so that's a possibility. Uh, you know, there's there's plenty of stadiums where the Jays could play in the meantime. And if if Toronto and the government of uh, Ontario and the Canadian government decide that this is a good idea and to create all these jobs, realistically, the stadium could go up in two to three years. It, w- it will not take long if they put the money into it. And I think it, it's, it's a great investment for a new team in Toronto, uh, a young team that would love a new facility because, you know, the Rogers Centre's clubhouse and everything is pretty outdated. Um, they, mm-hmm. They've done renovations, but realistically, like, the stadium could use work. And I, I know you mentioned um, the stadium capacity, Nate, uh, and I'm pretty sure they're planning on reducing the capacity almost by half because, wow. um, you know, the Rogers Center holds like 48 or 50,000 people, but they're planning on making it. Which is big for yeah, a baseball yeah. stadium. And, you know, like Kauffman Stadium, a gorgeous field in Kansas City, only holds like 29,000, I think, or 30,000. And I think that's where the Jays are looking because they're planning on building apartment buildings and everything around it as well, just to you know, occupy as much land as possible and make as many jobs and money as possible. Yeah, which I I think yeah, post-COVID I, times, I think is a huge uh, caveat for this renovation. I think the biggest thing for uh, for the renovation of the new stadium will be the timeline, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. I don't want to say Toronto is a stingy city to spend money, but you do kind of have to look at the city development and how construction kind of works down there. Yeah. And it is, I don't want to say they're hesitant to commit money, but they're also hesitant to finish work. I mean, yeah. you, you've seen how long it's taken them to renovate the Gardener and actually fix some of the expressways around Toronto. And not only that, city streets themselves, like even closures, closures last months when they should last weeks. I mean, mm-hmm. they're renovating the TTC every two weeks, basically closing a line a week. Like, and the only thing with me, I think, I think it's a big question mark for me whether or not they're going to be able to commit a time frame. I feel like what's going to end up happening is they're going to start renovation and then something's going to halt it and then it's going to be put on hold. I hate to be the one to say it, but I feel like that's a very Toronto thing to happen. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I mean, in a perfect world, um, we were talking about it before the podcast, but we could I could definitely see them building around the stadium and maintaining the current stadium while the season's going on. And then during the offseason, kind of putting in that extra work in order to connect the two sides and possibly uh, possibly move towards the full new stadium. But um, in terms of in terms, we were talking about it as well, where the, we think they're going to play. Um, you guys, had, or I forget which one of you guys had suggested we were probably going to go down south to somewhere like Iowa or something like that. Um, but I think I don't think it's very likely, but I think it would be cool for us to play in the uh, Expo Stadium. I don't think it's very likely for us to go there for our games, but I know it would be a lot better um, in terms of the MLB landscape for us to not have to play in 385, 395 uh, back fence uh, AAA stadium. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'd be interested to see like where we end up playing, but I just think it's going to come down to the city of Toronto and whether or not they're willing to can not only commit the money, but to commit a structured building plan in order to have a deadline. 
I personally, uh, just talking a little bit about the stadium, I think, you know, obviously they're, they've already talked about making it smaller, which makes sense because as I'm sure we've all experienced in the years when the Jays aren't good, the 500 section kind of looks ugly because there's no one yeah. up there. It's yeah. pretty empty for the most part. So, I mean, sure, there's been, I think, maybe half a season in my lifetime where, like, you couldn't get a mm-hmm. ticket because of how many people were in there, and that's obviously what was the 2015 yeah, yeah. run. But I think, you know, even if they, like, knock it down, like, I think they're probably going to make it, like, a 30,000-seat stadium just because, you know, it is a team where, like, people are going to travel to come see you play at home, especially from each corner of the country. So they want to give that opportunity to people, especially when mm-hmm. they're good. And hopefully they will be good over the next yeah. couple of years. I mean, all signs so, are pointing up. So I would say that they probably do it around 30,000. And it'll be interesting because I think a lot of a thing that no one really considers is the land that the actual stadium, while Rogers owns the stadium is built on the land. They don't own it. It's city yeah. owned land. So everything has to go through the city at this point, which will definitely slow down the process. And, you know, as I was saying to my parents the other night, I'm like, this is going to be like a two-year thing because they also have to get the permits to knock down the building or at least slowly take it apart yeah. because it's right in the heart of downtown Toronto. And so you're really going to mess up traffic and all that kind of stuff under because of this construction. Not to mention the COVID will be done so tourism can come back to the city with uh, Ripley and the Rogers Center literally like yeah. right next to that. Yeah, yeah that, could be, so, that could be definitely a nice little one-two punch for uh toronto and canada tourism at large Mm -hmm. but i think going to your point i think it's gonna be really hard for them to do what they did in uh sorry uh with the cardinal st louis because of just because of all the stuff around there like if it was kind of more off to like one side of the city like maybe toward more towards the lakeshore where bmo is or if it was maybe more towards like going towards ajax kind of in the beaches area then i could see them doing that but because it's like right beside major tourist attractions i would see them trying to do it quick and dirty and that means the jays are gonna have to move somewhere else and a place that i was thinking last night when i was spitballing uh and might seem a little crazy but uh bc has a stadium right now that if you remove seats will still hold eighty thousand people and i think we've seen all the the support that the blue jays have uh at west vancouver and calgary crazy i think if I think uh, BC Place, which is a huge stadium where right now the uh, BC Lions and the TFL yeah. play, could be an option. Obviously, they might have to do some uh, finagling of the of the way that the stadium is set up, obviously, because it is a football stadium first. Um, but, you know, that could hold a lot of people. You know, I think they'd really get up their uh, season ticket sales because especially if you're someone from Vancouver, like when's the next time that the Blue Jays are going to play a whole season yeah. in the BC Yeah. Slash? Alberta yeah. area where you where you don't have to drive seven hours or pick, get on sorry more than seven hours or get on a seven hour plane to go there and plus you want to keep the team ideally yeah. in Canada so I don't know maybe that's a crazy idea and I don't know exactly what they'd have to do to make it work but that I mean to be honest we we've uh, heard crazier ideas than the Jays moving out west for a season I mean like even even the hypothetical of them going to the Expos I think is more outlandish than them going out west um, but I think, I think, as you said, I think we should focus on trying to keep the team in Canada. Um, I think the likelihood of them still playing in the Rogers center where, const- uh, while construction still happens is very likely. Um, I don't think 
I think that would just be a lot of moving pieces that the Jays, I don't think, would necessarily want to put not only the team under, but also the fans under. Um, so I think I think their priority would I, be to keep I, them in Toronto if possible. But I really don't see the likelihood of that either. I think it's just going to kind of – I think it's going to be a toss-up until we actually hear news, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you would want that to happen this season because I don't know about you guys, but I don't see a world where the Jays start their MLB season in yeah. Toronto. Yeah. So yeah. – I ideally, I think if you're the Blue Jays and you actually want to do this, this year's the best time to get started on doing this work, at least starting to like maybe take apart some of the old building. But obviously that probably won't happen because of politics and other things that, you know, get in the way of this. But yeah, I think moving on, like maybe not so much talking about like how we see it being constructed, but what would you want as part of this new stadium? Um that we don't have on um, Rogers Center currently. I mean, I touched on it. Um, I mean, Tyler, you mentioned it too. Most uh, modern ballparks that are being uh, developed in the recent years have had the inclusion of a dome, um, given the given the recent popularity of being able to play during all uh, circumstances of weather and not being prohibited by whatever's thrown at you. Mm-hmm. Um, but in saying that, I mean, I don't want to say it's time for variety, but I would kind of really like to see the Jays with a fully outdoor stadium. I think that would be a really dynamic approach to a new era of the team. And I feel like, especially if we're going to go with like a 30,000 seating, if we're going to restrict it, I feel like there are a lot of really cool options for them to incorporate like local architecture really close to the stadium. Like yeah. I, I, the likelihood of them including the Roger or including the CN Tower in the construction and having it as part of a stadium, I think would be really cool. I mean, you don't really like, you're not really afforded the opportunity to include, I don't want to say a national landmark, but even like a regional landmark, like the CN tower is to most Canadians. And even in the States, you don't really see it too often where they're able to implement something like that into a, uh, into a sports structure. But I feel like that would be a really cool addition. I think to your point, uh, Nate, the only MLB uh, park that you could say has like kind of a symbol of the city that you can see from the ballpark maybe is the, uh, is the bridge yeah. in Pittsburgh? Um, there's also the, the arch in St. Louis. They included that in in uh, their new stadium. Yeah, but um, I could so, I could definitely I would like to see them push towards an outdoor stadium. I don't see them I don't see them doing it with how much work they've put in on the dome over the past few years to actually maintain it. Um, but I would like to see them transition to an outdoor stadium. I think that'd be a fresh start. Like something like the Royal Stadium, I feel like would be really appealing to not only the Jays themselves, but also uh, Toronto fans in general. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, again, I think it'll just be one of those things where time will tell. I think there'll be multiple plans that are presented to the uh, Toronto government um, in order to seek approval. And I think it'll just be whatever the government and the Jays end up concluding. And like, I feel like there's going to be, there's going to be an option for an outdoor. There's going to be an option for a bigger dome. There's going to be an option for, a new like alignment of seating. Like um, I could definitely see them doing something, not necessarily like Fenway, but something like very similar to Pittsburgh, how they have like their entire uh, left. Well, looking at it from the plate, their right field is like huge, like three tiered seating. And then the entire middle part is like two tiered with like the overlook into like the river. So yeah. I could definitely see something like that, where like the middle part, if it was outdoor could like overlook the distillery. And I could definitely mm-hmm. see something like that happening. Yeah. I think, um, with with the new stadium, what they would have to include is, like I mentioned, some statues for the, the players that have made such a big impact. For those people who are complaining that, you know, the Rogers Center is is so historic and so many great memories there, then then let's give them something to celebrate those memories in, in those statues. Um, by including the scene tower, you know, doing something with um, how 
like we mentioned, Pittsburgh does it with the bridge and, and St. Louis does it with the arch. Maybe if you were to do that outdoor stadium idea, um, you know, include the CN Tower to be in the skyline somehow. Um, you know, it's always in the skyline because it's so freaking huge. But um, but include it somehow where it, it complements the stadium really nicely. Uh, that would be cool if they did outdoor. The only reason I don't think they're going to do outdoor is because it's Toronto, Canada. It gets yeah. really snowy and the weather is pretty crap in the winter. So I think the the repairs after the winter every year might be something they're concerned about. Um, but, you know, they have had the roof problem. So there's 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 yes and no's on both sides where like, yes, I want to, I want to have an outdoor stadium. It's going to be so nice, but uh, you know, it's going to be so hard to maintain. And then uh, having a roof is hard to maintain in itself when, when it breaks down and it it will break down because they always do um, in all stadiums. So having to worry about those things is something that the government and the Jays and everyone's going to have to worry about. So I think a new stadium is so exciting for a new team, a new era of Blue Jays baseball. Um, I think this new stadium would be not only um, something great for Toronto, the city, the city of Toronto and the team, but it's something to attract free agents and trade uh, candidates because people want to play in new stadiums. New, new is new is always better when it comes to stadiums, in my opinion, because you can, the new facilities, best workout equipment, best clubhouse, best all this stuff that is going to be top notch stuff because it's it's new and they're not going to invest however much money to build a crap stadium with a crappy clubhouse. Like it's going to be some of the best stuff in the league um, when when it were when it is to come out. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you 100%. I feel like the underlying thing with this is, as you said, kind of bringing in, um, bringing in uh, big names through major attractions of a new stadium. Um, and I feel like you touched on it a little bit. I feel like the new, the new renovation, whatever it may be, should definitely embody the next generation of Jays baseball, young, youth, hopefulness, extreme talent, like shit like that. I could definitely see... I could definitely see them going kind of in abstract direction with whatever they choose to do for the renovation. Um, as you said, the uncertainty with weather, I feel like makes me lean towards the dome option um, over an outdoor stadium, because I mean, you're going you're gonna to have maintenance regardless whether or not it's on the dome or on the facilities uh, that are not covered by a dome. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think this renovation, I think a big underlying thing is it kind of does have to represent Toronto in a way. I mean, this is, this is going to be the first big renovation that we've had since Scotiabank. And I don't think the Scotiabank arena really changed that much. Like the lead up to the actual arena, like the connectivity of the buildings did change. Yes. But other than that, they didn't really change much structurally. Um, Mm. But I think, I think this is an opportunity for Toronto to kind of, I don't want to say redefine the Jays, but kind of reimagine them in a different way and kind of embodying that kind of reimagination through the new stadium. Um, And I think honestly, the biggest thing for me, they should just ditch that gray concrete. I mean, I didn't think I didn't think that was the most appealing thing at the beginning, but even just looking at it now, it's disgusting. Um, mm. I would love to see kind of a Wrigley Field style in Toronto, like not necessarily like vines everywhere and stuff like that, but I would love to see like a brick, like a brick outside kind of look. I feel like that would do really well, especially to complement the distillery district, which is right across the street. Mm. Um, and not only that, I feel like it'd be a nice like tie into uh, the CN Tower, like a nice little. Um, like uh, contrast between, as you said, the gray concrete of the of the CN Tower with whatever um, new design we choose to have. But 
I just yeah. feel like it has to reflect not only the Toronto core, but whatever uh, is around the area. And I feel like, like regardless of what they do, I think it's going to be a great change for um, not only the Jays, but Toronto sports in general. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, I think it's just going to be a time will tell thing. Like, I think it's going to be multiple plans are put forward. It's going to be whatever the best option is for the city. Um, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping for myself that it's something new and exciting. But the thing is, is I've been let down in the past and in the present by Toronto teams, RIP the Leafs. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much where I'm at. I, I just want a new start, a new start with new beginnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll quickly add what my major thing I wanted this new stadium before uh, we kind of wrap things up for this episode of the podcast. But I think I've, I want to give him credit, um, Bad Nicholson Smith and uh, the uh, Canadian uh, Baseball Hall of Fame have kind of been tweeting back and forth over the last couple of days. And I think it would be really interesting if the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame moved into oh. the new stadium. I think, you know, kind of have it underneath the bullpen, like kind of a walk-in area where it's kind of its own thing, but it's also part of the stadium where you can see, you know, again, that big history thing, see, you know, pieces of merchandise like they do sometimes out in the uh, West Jack flight deck for some games, but only having it all year round. And then obviously having plaques for some of the better players in the franchise's history, you know, a history that has had great players and has uh, championship teams, you know, having maybe Jose Bautista's bat, like that kind of stuff in that kind of hall of fame, I think would be really interesting as well as celebrating like Canadian baseball players, like James Paxton, like Joey Votto, those mm-hmm. kind of guys. Uh, one really one last thing I want to touch on before uh, we would, wrap this up is um so with with a new uh stadium and this new team like i keep saying i think it's really important if the stadium were to be built to bring in like like we're saying is incorporate toronto and canada somehow because toronto's the toronto blue jays fan base is dying and it's totally obvious that it's dying um most of the fan base consists of people who are around for, for the 92, 93 world series. Um, and the, the youth in, in the Jays uh, fan base is, is really quite sad. And I, I really want them to, with a new stadium to bring in that youthful fan base to complement the team and to uh, bring in a fan base like the Raptors where, where like, all of Canada supports them, not only when they're in the playoffs, but all season around. Like the Jays only receive this huge media coverage and fan support and all this stuff when they make the playoffs. And that to me has been sad to see since uh, their playoff run in 2015, 2016. Couple months, but uh, I'm just going to quickly ask you guys, do you have anything else you want to bring up that we didn't touch on before? I uh, wrap um, things up. I, I I hate to get off topic really quick before we end, but uh, the match three did happen this weekend, and uh, Charles Barkley and Phil Mickelson beat Peyton Manning and Steph Curry. Um, <laughs> if you guys haven't watched the soundbite highlights, they are a treat. Um, I mean, my favorite part, and I hate I hate to, as I said, get off topic, but Charles Barkley, I think it was like two holes in, said I might be the play- best player in this group today, which almost made me piss myself. So. That was it. Was a pretty cool spectacle to watch. I can't lie. Yeah. Also, um, since you know it was kind of a baseball-centric week, I do want to shout out uh, Sarah Fuller for becoming the first woman to play in a Power Five conference game. You know, getting the kick. So I just want to give her Su- a super d- super dope moment Sarah. for women in sports. But that's great. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but. I guess moving on from that, since we already kind of gave out our shout out, uh, Nate, do you want to start us off uh, telling the people where they can find you and uh, 
maybe yeah uh, i mean you can find on. me on instagram uh nate underscore kennedy first e is a three um and then besides that i'm uh dropping my uh, washington capitals uh off-season uh summary article either i guess late today or early tomorrow depending on uh, curtis's discretion with that um i mean tune in for our weekly podcast i hate to <laughs> again harp on curtis's outro but i mean it's it's great to be able to get on and record with new guests every week and we always have something new and exciting to provide you guys so be sure to tune in and i mean besides that i mean hopefully um hopefully starting some new projects soon uh implementing zoom possibly in our new uh in our newer podcast coming up to uh increase our visual aspect of our podcast and then besides that i was hoping to maybe start an otl quiz show or something like that so look for that in the future as well i'm really excited to possibly start something like that Um, just before uh, I, I let the people know where they can find me, um, just popped up on my phone is uh, a report that uh, George Springer is giving serious interest to playing with the Blue Jays and that the interest is mutual. So I thought that oh, was cool. Yeah, we like that. Um, so- anyway, so uh, yeah, so on Instagram, you can find me at uh, Tyler uh, with another R at the end of Tyler, uh, Prosic and then underscore. And uh, on Twitter, uh, Prosic Tyler is very simple. Um, and, you know, with uh, over the line, I've, we'll see uh, how the MLB see, uh, free agency wraps up. And uh, I'm sure I'll come out with a bunch of articles uh, through that. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast, guys. Always happy to have you. Yeah, make sure to check out his uh, Twitter because he doesn't just write for us. He's writing for uh, hockey writers right now. And he's released a couple articles for them over the last couple weeks. Yep. So make sure to check those out as well. But, um I guess it's my turn to plug. Uh, plug the plug. I don't have anything to plug, but I don't have a Tinder account. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to throw you under the bus. The, I, I, the, the, hey, that, hey, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to get toxic. I was right just now. trying to boost you, man. Come on, You're, it's it's kings helping kings. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm. No, no. I'm, I, no. I'm saying. Oh no, Tinder, Tinder, super toxic. You're toxic. You always ruin my. The thing is, I don't try to, but it's like it's either it's either I talk about all the lovely ladies in your DMs, or it's your popularity on Tinder, or it's your (laughs) Twitter updates. I mean, it's just the list is too wide. I have to mention something. Well, okay, I guess. Yes, yes, uh, you can do your Instagram right now, or like, are you? No, go ahead. Are you gonna say something else? All right, so you guys can find me at Instagram at cmartin two two nine two. I usually post on my stories about. Everything that's happening with Overline Sports. So Tyler's articles, Nate's articles, my articles. Uh, Banna just released her first article for the site, which is really exciting. Came out uh, two nights yep. ago, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, two nights ago. Uh, looking at the uh, the city, the new city jersey for the Raptors, you should go check that out. Um, other than that, obviously, again, make sure to check out the podcast. It means a lot to us. You know, uh, I put a, I put a lot of time on my Mondays into this podcast, you know, recording it, editing it. So. Uh, smash that like button with your forehead again, as always. Um, it really means a lot to us. Uh, you know, it, it's really great. And uh, I'm really excited for the things that are going to be coming up on the podcast. Uh, hopefully we're going to get a couple uh, special guests over the uh, winter break that we can bring to you guys. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. But, oh, and also my Twitter is at, at uh, CM Martin. Martin is with the M at uh, N387. So uh, make sure to check out there. All the stuff also gets put up there and you can listen to my dumb ideas and stuff there as well. But I think that's going to do it for this for us this week, guys. Uh, I just want to thank Tyler for 
coming onto the show. And uh, just remind you to subscribe to this podcast. You can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to your podcast. Um, make sure to check out our social medias for the site at OTL Sports CA on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook at Overline Sports CA. We have a page there, so you can check out the articles there as well. And also go check out the latest articles. Like I already mentioned, Dana released her article on Friday night, so make sure you go check that out. And also Nate's article, which should be out tomorrow morning. Uh, go check that out as well. And just everything else coming up. We have a lot of articles coming up. Obviously, the MLB will be starting up soon in about a month's time. Same with uh, the World Juniors. So a lot of content coming up for that, as well as, you know, uh, as Tyler mentioned, a lot of uh, MLB movement. Sounds like it's going to start happening in the next couple of weeks with the winter meetings coming up soon. So, yeah, just make sure to stay tuned to the website. And I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, catch you next time. Uh-huh.